Hello, and welcome law firm owners to another episode of the Wildly Successful Law Firm Podcast. I'm Nermeen. I am your law firm strategist and podcast host. So I'm really excited because just a couple of days ago, I did a CLE presentation for the New York County Lawyers Association on value-based pricing. And it was such a great conversation and it really made me realize how many attorneys didn't realize that it's possible to create a value-based pricing program for any kind of practice area, right? And we had appellate attorneys and we had complex commercial litigation attorneys asking really valid questions around value-based pricing. So listen, I do events like this constantly, and if you don't want to miss out, then I'm including in the show notes below, there's gonna be a link to the newsletter where I share all of the events that I'm hosting. They're usually free unless it's with a uh, lawyer's association or a bar. And in that case, you might end up having to pay for that event, but mostly the events that I do are free. Now, the other thing I wanted to share with you is very recently, I have had a lot of attorneys coming in and saying, Nermeen, we think you're great or you're fantastic, but maybe we don't wanna dive so deep into a 90-day program. Do you have something that you can offer that's sort of a like intro, get to know me, sort of dip my toe in the water without uh, diving into the deep end program? And yes, I do, officially. Um, I've created a law firm day of strategy, okay? And it's exactly what it sounds like. It is an eight hour block time frame in which you and I discuss back and forth uh, strategy around your law firm. That could be pricing, it could be marketing, whatever it is, right? Like whatever's going on in your practice, we'll spend a day talking about it. And that way you'll get an idea of actually working with me, what that would be like. And right now I'm introducing beta pricing for it. So it is $397 right now, $397. And there's a link for that below. Now, the other real quick announcement that I want to make here is that the 90-day program, uh, the Wildly Successful Law Firm program, is actually going to be increasing in prices in November. So I believe in full price transparency. It's $6,000 right now. It's going to $9,000. It's going to $9,000 for a couple of reasons. But the biggest reason is I increase my prices every single year, right? And if you don't, you definitely should because I'm not afraid of losing clients. I just know I'm gonna end up working with even better, even awesomer clients, right? So definitely not a concern for me. And I want you to know that you might be thinking, okay, well, it's the end of the year, like who really has 90 days? It's gonna be the holidays. And listen, I totally understand that concern and also, the reality is that it's really hard to break bad habits once you keep doing them, right? Now listen, if you have a kid and you know they always say like sleep train them very early because if not, trying to sleep train them later is a nightmare, right? The same is true for your law firm. It's a lot harder to break the bad habits when you have a bigger team, when you've got 10 people instead of three right now, right? And if you know you wanna grow, then now would be the time to actually consider investing in the Wildly Successful Law Firm program. Okay, so the last announcement is that this episode officially kicks off a seven-part episode series where I'm going to be sharing seven things, that's right, 
seven things that you didn't know about having a wildly successful law firm, right? And these are the things that my seven-figure law firm owners do that six-figure law firm owners, five-figure law firm owners don't do. And I'm sharing these insights with you because if you want to be a seven-figure law firm owner, there are things that you just have to stop doing, right? And we're gonna get into that in this first episode. Now, here's what I mean by being a seven-figure law firm owner, right? I'm not talking about someone who makes seven figures and then keeps only $150,000, right? That's not what I mean. There are so many of those attorneys out there, right? So many of them that when they first start working with me, they're like, you mean everybody make a million dollars, I don't need your program. My question is always, okay, great. How much did you keep, right? I don't care about how much money you make up here. I wanna know how much you kept down here. Because here's the thing, right? If you were just going to make a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, go be an associate somewhere else, right? Go be an associate at another firm. Why would you take on the headache of being a law firm owner, of being a business owner, all the stress that comes from that, if you're just gonna try to keep a tiny little percentage, right? That's not the game that I want my clients to be in. My clients who make seven figures are making seven figures up here and they are keeping 60 to 70% profitability at minimum, okay? There is a huge difference between making $300,000 a year and making $600,000 a year, okay? That's a difference between flying coach every time you go on vacation to flying first class every time you go on vacation. That's a difference between sending your kids to the public school versus sending your kids to the private school. That's the difference between ordering the $50 bottle of wine at dinner versus ordering the $150 bottle of wine at dinner, okay? It makes a big difference. And when I talk about seven-figure earners, I'm talking about seven-figure profits, right? That's what I care about. That's what I want you to care about. So anytime you see someone posting on Instagram this lavish lifestyle that their law firm has afforded to them, stop and ask yourself, is this for the show? How much are they actually keeping, right? You're a lawyer, learn to ask the questions, poke the holes, don't take everything on surface value, right? Okay, so that is like the precursor to this series, right? which is when I say seven figures, here's what it actually means. I want you to keep the money. I want you to keep the profitability. And here's the first thing that you don't know about seven-figure law firm owners, okay? Seven-figure law firm owners do not DIY, okay? Now, here's the thing. DIY, do it yourself, right? That may have gotten you to your first 50,000. That may have gotten you to your first 100,000, but it's not gonna be what gets you to your first million, right? It won't even get you to half a million, right? And every law firm owner that I work with who understands that they just can't DIY everything in their business is 
better off and more successful as a result of that realization, right? Okay, so I'm gonna share with you a personal story. There is a reason why in the home remodeling industry, they jokingly refer to DIY, not as do it yourself, but as damage it yourself, okay? And I'm gonna be completely honest, this is an embarrassing story, okay? A few years ago, I bought my own place, my first place that I bought, right? It was a big deal for me. And I had moved around a lot. I'd lived in New York, I'd lived in LA, I'd moved back, you know, to Georgia. And I moved around a ton, you know, trying out different apartments, trying out different, you know, neighborhoods in my city before I figured out, okay, this is where I wanna be and this is where I'm gonna buy. Now, when I bought this place, I wanted it to feel like something I had contributed to, not just financially, but I wanted to make it my own somehow. And I definitely wasn't gonna do like a crazy bathroom remodel myself and be like, woohoo, you know? I was not going that deep into wanting to make the place my own, but I did think that I could do something simple. And the simple thing that I did was painted my own kitchen cabinets. Because when you look at kitchen cabinets, it's like a flat surface, you know, they're all right next to each other. Like it doesn't seem like kitchen cabinets should be all that difficult to paint. Except I chose the wrong paint. I am like not even a good finger painter, okay? So I don't know why I thought that I could paint a very high visibility area of my space, right? The kitchen is like the heart of a lot of homes and it definitely is mine. And so I chose the wrong kind of paint. I did this super high gloss paint, right? And it's even experts have a hard time with this high gloss paint because it drips a lot, right? And the whole point in using paint is for it to feel seamless. And I'm in the process of selling my place and I've had professionals come in and tell me, Nermeen, you're gonna have to do those cabinets before you sell this place. So why am I telling you this? Okay, totally thought I could DIY it. Totally thought it was not that difficult. Totally thought I could just watch a bunch of YouTube videos, go to Sherwin-Williams, grab some paint, spend a week in painting it. <laughs> and in retrospect, it was a huge waste of my time because I spent all of July 4th weekend, instead of being out on a boat somewhere or relaxing by the pool, I was in my home, smelling paint fumes, painting my kitchen cabinets, right? Not a great way to spend July 4th. Number two, I still have paint smearings on the side of my oven and on the side of my fridge because, you know, <laughs> I've had people jokingly say, what happened, did you happen to sneeze here while you were going with the roller? Because you know, it's like this and then it's like on the side of my, on the side of my fridge. And you know, it sounds really funny now, but honestly, it's just a huge headache because now that I need to move, I'm like, oh man, here's this other thing I have to get done before I can actually move. So it might seem easy up front, but really on the backside, 
you're spending all this time that you shouldn't even be doing doing this thing and I'm gonna have to have it fixed anyway. So I might as well have just hired someone the first time, right? Okay, so now stepping away from my mortifying, terrible, terribly painted kitchen cabinet story, right? Let me talk to you about what I see my clients doing, what I see a lot of other attorneys doing and like telling each other to do because, okay, you all get advice from each other and usually it's really bad advice, okay? I'm just gonna say it, okay? I know you're not supposed to say that, but I'm just gonna say it. I hear really bad advice out there and the thing is that you are not the expert in all of these areas of your business. You are only an expert in your field of law that you practice, right? You're not an expert marketer. No, you're not. You're not an expert at hiring. No, you're not. You might know what you want, right, in a person. You might know your vision, but you're not an expert at hiring, right? You're not an expert at doing your own taxes, right? And I'm gonna share with you a story. Okay, so one of my clients that I was working with, making $50,000 a month, right? Living a very comfortable life in his practice. And I asked him, I said, okay, so who does your books? What do you mean? I do my books. Oh, so you're trying to tell me you make $50,000 a month and you are doing your own monthly bookkeeping? Is there a reason why? His response, well, Nermeen, it's not that time consuming. I enjoy doing it. I like seeing where things are in my practice. I like knowing where the money is going and I really just don't mind doing it. My response, all right, okay, that's good to know. Now, do you mind if I ask what happens once you do your books? Like, do you give your uh, these books to your, to your accountant who then does your annual taxes for you? My client says, yes, that's what happens. And so here's, what happened as I started digging into this more, as I started asking more questions, I realized that this client had been classifying things in QuickBooks incorrectly. They were actually a business expense that he was not actually itemizing as a business expense. He went on a couple like Google forums and was like, oh, okay, this is how I'll classify this thing. This is how I'll do this thing. And then QuickBooks creates a rule for it and it creates that rule going forward like forever. When we started to really dig into this, we saw that this client had overpaid in taxes. I'm not talking like a couple thousand dollars a year. I'm talking like 30, $40,000 every year that he had been doing his own books because all he was doing was doing the books, not categorizing things the way that they should be because he's not the expert, he's the lawyer, he's not a bookkeeper, right? Then he would turn these files over to his accountant who wouldn't really dig too deep into what he was categorizing and literally filed these taxes for him based on the numbers that his client gave him. And in an effort to save $1,000 a month, this client ended up overpaying taxes, 30 and $40,000 every year for a few years. Okay, 
That is a big deal, right? That is a huge deal. This is why I keep telling attorneys, don't do your own books. Please go hire a bookkeeper. It is not a super expensive expense. And even if you live in New York and you want someone to do your books, you can find someone in a cheaper city you can find someone to do your books for you because it is a 100% remote job and someone in Tennessee, someone in North Carolina, a cheaper state than New York can absolutely 1000% do it for you for less than a thousand dollars. I've seen, I've seen all sorts of price ranges, right? So, know that you if you want something that's a cheaper option you can definitely find that right now here's the way to look at this right if you're doing your own books you're doing the thing that you are not an expert in you are spending what three four seven ten hours a month doing that thing okay so that's time that you could have been golfing hanging out with your family or billing you don't have to be but it could have just been time that you kept for yourself but instead you were doing your books and not just that, but now we have to go through and clean it up. And by the way, that money that you overpaid to the IRS, yeah, let me tell you how long it's gonna take you to get that money back, right? If ever it even happens, right? So listen, you are not the expert in all of these areas of law that, or in all of these areas of your business, right? You're only an expert in your one specific field of law that you practice, okay? So that's number one about DIY. <laughs> Do not damage it yourself, okay? All right, so here's the other thing. You actually, as a law firm owner, don't have the time to be doing things that you are not an expert in, right? I talk to law firm owners all the time and they're biggest lie, their biggest excuse is that I don't have the time, Nermeen, I don't have the time to do this. And when I look at their calendar, literally we do a screen share, I look at your calendar and I'm like, wait, what? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing this other thing? Like it makes no sense, right? It's not that you don't have the time, it's that you are not spending your time effectively. And when you are doing this with the things that you are not an expert in, you are just wasting your time. There is someone else who can do it for cheaper and better than you can. And I know that's really tough to hear as an attorney. I know that you are very ego driven. You have this identity. You can do it all. You are smart in everything. But listen, seven figure law firm owners, know that that's not the case. They know that they need to stick to doing the things that they are truly experts at. They could absolutely do all of these other things, but they choose not to because they're like, what's the point, right? I'll just hire someone else to do it for cheaper than I can. So keep in mind, okay, you have a time investment in some of these things and it's not where you should actually be investing your time, all right? Now let's keep going. The other thing I see a lot of attorneys doing and law firm owners doing is this, right? They forget 
that they are no longer a new law firm owner, and yet they still act like they are a new law firm owner. Do you remember all the things that you did when you were a new law firm owner? You sent every email, you scanned every file, you contacted and scheduled every single past client and scheduled every appointment, every deposition, every opposing counsel meeting, right? You scheduled it yourself because you were just starting out, right? And I know so many attorneys who are three, five, seven years in, making $300,000, $800,000 a year, who are still acting like they're new law firm owners and doing these things that they shouldn't be doing. It's really a mindset shift that needs to happen, right? You had to be scrappy to get to where you are now, but being scrappy is not gonna get you to seven figures. And I know attorneys talk to themselves a lot, but I want you to know that they might be telling you that they're scrappy about something, maybe their social media posting, but they're not also telling you that they have a full staff behind them doing all the legal work, right? They've got two paralegals, they've got one admin, right? You're not seeing all of that because you're just asking about one specific thing, hey, who does your books? Hey, who, uh, who do you have posting for you on social media? You know, they're not telling you the full scope. They're just giving you that one little piece of information. So please know that you as a law firm owner, not a newbie anymore. Time to step into being a three, four, five year law firm owner. You are a veteran. You are a more mature law firm owner. Don't need to act like you're still a baby law firm owner. Okay. All right, so here's the last comment. DIY attorneys, damage-it-yourself attorneys, are truly at heart control freaks. And if you, if your initial reaction right now is, you're mean, I'm not a control freak, I rest my case, number one. Number two, I know that you feel like if you don't see every little thing that's going on in your practice, you're not gonna have control over it. It's going to escape from you. you. Then everything will fall apart and you're gonna come back to yourself and think in this moment, man, I should not have made these decisions. I should have kept control over all of these things. Not true, not reality, and it's your fear. So put all of that ish aside, right? And focus on doing the things that are actually important for your business growth and not trying to control every little thing. You don't need to see every email that goes out to clients. You don't need to see every single document that leaves your office, right? You need to control the things that you as a business owner should control. And that includes things like the bank accounts, the taxes, right? The full marketing strategy, not just, okay, let me look at the hashtags and the captions and look at how many follows I have right now. No, that's not at all what I'm talking about, right? You need to have a high level overview of every part of your practice. You do not and should not be in the weeds of your practice because that's where you drown and that's where you can't breathe and that's where you 
are so deep into your law practice that you you can't get a breath and like that's where all the bad things happen right you want to have this high level overview over everything that's going on okay so that wraps it up for this first episode in a part of seven on seven things that you didn't know about being a seven-figure law firm owner now just a quick little reminder all the links that you would like are below to the uh 15-minute strategy call that I have to the newsletter to the upcoming Wildly Successful Law Firm program and the Law Firm Day of Strategy. So go ahead and check those out and I will check you out next week. See you then. Bye lawyers.